great to be in front of you guys. Um, if you want to turn to Jonah, we're going to be in chapter 3. Oh God, as we come together, I want to acknowledge just again your absolute faithfulness and just thank you for that. Oh God, thank you that as we come to you, we can trust you. Oh God, I pray that you'll just open the word for us today. Open wide our hearts to receive it. Oh God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, Jonah 3, 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Amen. You may be seated. Now there's this, this old song that might be considered more of a, a children's song that says these simple words. It's a simple promise. It says, trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It sounds pretty simple, right? Well, Obey, I think the last time I really had somebody tell me to obey with seriousness, I, I don't know, maybe the last time I took it seriously was when I was seven years old. I'm sure I was told after that to obey, but maybe wasn't that good at it. It's a, it's a pretty uncommon word, and I think it does remind us of childhood when when all the important questions for us, you know, whether that's how late we can play, or regulating our sugar intake, or, or things like that fall under boundaries that we are meant to obey. And so we go to the all-knowing, all-good, all-sovereign parent, and we ask them what to do, and they, they tell us, they bequeath to us their wisdom and, and we, of course, dutifully do that. And all is well, right? So it's, what the parents give us is instruction or guidance. And the goal of that is for our life and our health. An example of this is when I was growing up, one day a week, Wednesday, was candy day. And... And that is the only day we could have candy. And if you've... I was actually listening to NPR this, this week and did ask that God would forgive me for that. Um, but while I was <laughs> listening to NPR, one of the, one of the programs was talking about how, how there are organizations that are trying to get sugar listed as a poison. Um, I don't know if that will, that will fly because a lot of grown-ups select like children and I don't think... 
cat would pick it. I know that for sure. Um, but, but we, on Wednesdays, were, we could have one piece of candy, which of course led to us sometimes sneaking candy. But, but for the, you know, generally, we were fairly good at it. Um, and not at sneaking candy, at, at only eating it on Wednesdays. <laughs> and if we were around the neighborhood and we were given something like, a, like an otter pop or a freeze pop, they used to be called freeze pops, now they're otter pops, we would have to call home and say, Mom, I've hanging out with my buddies, and, and it's real hot, and <laughs> you know, and, and usually they were they would generously uh, let us have the otter pop, um, but but you remember what it's like, you know, getting pushed around in the cart, you know, if you were lucky, it was in Costco, and um, and, and you know, you would just dream about everything you were passing and the day when when you could have Captain Crunch, and not just Cheerios, you know, because because there are these these strict guidelines that that were given to us that if we obeyed, all would be well. And and truthfully, I I'm tremendously thankful um, for those. And I'll say, it's interesting, this is maybe kind of a side note, but I think I really enjoyed sugar more back then. You know, because when you don't have those guidelines, you can have it whenever you want. Um, this might sound ridiculous, but I don't really look forward to donuts anymore. Um, because, you know, you get to college and you, you know, there's no one saying no anymore, right? There's, there's just you and opportunity and... And financial aid, and, and and it provides this beautiful opportunity to to have all the donuts you want. And so, so it's good. It's good to have these boundaries, and it's good to have this concept of obedience. Um, and it's it's and we understand that's good when when you are interacting in a world and you see parents that are still providing those boundaries for their children. You know, they're still saying, you know, own, own, don't don't have coffee at church because you'll go crazy or only have one donut when that's brought at church, you know, because um, those things, you know, we, we really honor that. But, but you and I, you know, we don't really take obedience seriously anymore. Um, and I, and, and this, I think, gradually happens, maybe for some of us earlier, but I remember in our life when it happened, I, I was, I was about 10 and, uh, Rebecca and Jonathan, my siblings, came home from uh, Dunes Bible Camp. And that's where most things go wrong for children. Um, Bible camps. And, <laughs> and so they, they, came, they came back. And I, remembered, I remember this conversation taking place. What words can be used and what words cannot be used? I don't, I don't know if my parents remember this, but... Um, I'm sorry if you're offended by any of these words, but... One of them was like the word crap. Can we say that? Is that okay? And we, I was washing dishes dutifully, you know, and, and, they were, and, and Jonathan and Becca were washing them with me, but as the conversation escalated, they stopped washing, and I was the only one washing, so of course I remember this. And, and it was like, well, what about the word suck? Can, you know, is that, is that okay? Can we, can we say that? And you know, have this conversation of like, like testing boundaries, and then of course... We all remember Rebecca wanting to date before she was 16. You know, that was a whole nother story. Janine remembers this. <laughs> yes. 
You know, and so we, we begin pushing boundaries, and then all of a sudden, we, we break through, and this rebellion starts. Um, and obedience, you know, really, what does the word obedience mean to us now? What does that word mean? It doesn't hold much weight. If, if I was to present to you the Ten Commandments and just say, obey these, you'd be like, why? You know, it, it seemed, it's such an absolute trust that we don't do that anymore. You know, we have to have, like, you know, write master's theses to our children so they'll, they'll take seriously why they should do something or why they should not do something. And, and I think that's really where we find Jonah. Um, if we remember in 2 Kings when we came up when we, when we found Jonah there, he was a young prophet, and the word of the Lord came to him. There was the time when the, in the land where there was a bad king, and there was a lot of those at the time. But God is the greater king, and God was still blessing his people. And so the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, I'm going to expand the territory of Israel. And so, so Israel's territory was expanded, and, and Jonah, living off that trust that, that God would come through if he prophesied it, um, said those words, and it happened. And so, and so he was living in this time of obedience and God's blessing. And then the word of the Lord comes to him again, as we find in Jonah 1, and it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah runs away. Right? Two different. And, and it's kind of in our lives, right? Like obedience... For a while, and then and then disobedience, and what causes that that, dif- that the difference between obedience and disobedience in our lives, and what are the results of that? And I think it all comes down to to really a, a distrust, uh, a, a deep abiding distrust in the one who is giving the words to us. Um, and that, that's what causes disobedience. And so here we have Jonah acting out of, of a distrust. And, and there's a, you know, we've talked about a lot of the reasons why he could. He could have done it because he hated the Ninevites, right? They were mean people. They killed children. Right? Or, or because he feared them. He feared for his life if he went to this city and started preaching against them. What would the Ninevites do? <laughs> would they kill him? But we find, we find a different Jonah in chapter 3, and that's a Jonah that's living off trust and obedience, as then Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So what's the difference? The difference isn't fear ruling his life, right? The difference isn't hate for Ninevites ruling his life, but it is, and we've looked at, we've looked at this before, the fear of the Lord, what does that mean? It's, it's this motivation of obedience. Well, you said, so I will do. Because right? all those other things are just excuses. Right? But if we're living from obedience and trust, we'll do those things. And I'm, I'm coming today with the assumption that, that most of us need to hear this message because for, for one reason or another, we have in the past or presently are living off of distrust of God rather than a trust of Him. And that distrust has 
in our lives led to disobedience, right? Oftentimes we push it off to something else, right? It's a, you know, I, God, I'm just afraid, or the culture is telling me this, or this or that. But, but literally it comes down to a, a matter of trust. Do you, do you trust him? And, and, and we're very familiar with this. You know, we don't, if you go get a loan or buy a, you know, a house or any of these things you need, it's all documents that you sign. Why? Because... Because we, we can't trust, right? <laughs> and in a lot of ways, that, that translates to our, our relationship with God. Maybe at one time you found, when you first came to faith, it very easy to obey God. right? Very easy. To, and that's because your trust was there. Your trust was placed in Him. It was fresh. And so... It was not difficult, but over time, your own ideas and your will became dominant in your life. And that the domination of your will over God's will led to a trust. Well, God, I know that you're out for your good, but are you out for my good? Right? And that led to this incredible distrust that, that leaves us in a place of needing to come back, needing to come back to trust, needing to come back to repentance. Because in John 14, it's really clear. It says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you'll obey my teaching. It's not, if, if you love me, you'll, you know, and, and we can fill it in with a number of things. If you love me, you'll do this. And we, and we can kind of create our own menial tasks that we can do for him to show him that we love him. But God, Jesus isn't asking for that. He says, if you love me, you're just gonna, you'll obey my command. You'll trust me. You'll see that my commands are better than your ideas. So I'm going to take us through three things really quick that, um, that have to do with Jonah being, bought, being brought back into obedience. And I think that's, it's going to be really helpful for us because uh, probably for all of us, um, we, we need this. We need to be brought back into obedience. Um, but, and I, I always say this with a little caveat, though, that, that if, if you're in obedience right now, these things are for your worship, Right? So if, if you're not in obedience and you hear these things and you're like, man, I, I want to trust again, I want to obey again. But if you're in a time of just trusting him and enjoying that trust, these things will just be this, this added joy to you and, and worship in your life. So, um, so here we go. First thing is that God's word comes clearly. Um, in Jonah's life, that was the case. It wasn't that the word of God was unclear and so he disobeyed it, but the word of God was clear. If you've ever been pulled over by a police officer, what's the first thing they ask you? You will usually what they ask you is, do you know why I pulled you over? Oh. Yes, sir, I was going three miles over, but usually that's okay. Right? <laughs> do, you know why, do you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> you know... Usually what we, what we do isn't because it's been unclear to us, but because it's clear to us and we still rebel against it. Isn't that right? Yeah. Right. If you're a parent, you've ever told your, your child to go clean their room and you come an hour later and they've, they've recently discovered the toys that they had been, had been buried under their clothes pile for five months and they're, they're playing G.I. Joe's and you're like, I don't remember asking you to play with G.I. Joe's and you're like, Well, see, see, what you asked was too hard, right? Do you see how, I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I can't even reach the washing machine, 
you know? So it's not because it's unclear to us, but it's because what has been said clear to us, we don't want to do. Right? And so the question for us oftentimes isn't whether the word of God is clear to us, but does God really have the best for us? And that's a question for us. And Jonah didn't think God had the best for him. And, and the way I was thinking this through in my mind was, was if you got par- like parallel lines, basically what God does in giving us his commands is to align us with his character, right? And he desires us to be with him going where he's going, right? Really, like, if you think about it, if you're, you engineers, this might be helpful, because I'm talking about lines and things like that. Um, right, you got two lines that are, like, going side by side, right? Just f- for, forever. But if there's a slight variation on that line, <laughs> you guys are getting excited, <laughs> right? If there's a slight variation on that line, Right, it, might, it might be by it for a little while, but it will increasingly get further and further and further away. And that's what it's like for us. Right? It just starts with maybe a little lie or a little deception or a little variation for us. And we're like, well, it's okay. I mean, I know God said this and this and this, but, but this one's okay. And, and so this slight variation creates this increasing distance between ourselves and God. Literally, that's what, what it becomes for us. So it's not that his word is unclear, but it's that... That for ourselves, we make it unclear because it might be hard or difficult or something like that for us. And we, we begin, to begin going further and further away. All right, so when he says, if you love me, obey my commands, it's him going, I want you to be aligned with me. I don't, I don't want you to be doing your own thing. Doing your own thing, eating all the sugar you want, isn't good for you. It's not healthy. Um, that's why we have food pyramids, Pat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he wants us to be aligned with, with what is healthy and what is good and he wants us there I've been, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long time but I just felt like it was time to really bring it before the church and uh... so the word has been clearly given to us how many of us though live as if as if God is silent right that's serious how many of us live as though God is silent? Um, as if he had either stopped speaking or that he was not present anymore. Right, but, the, but, but we learn, though, from the scripture, the whole scripture is saying is that, that God is the most living thing there is. <laughs> right? And he's calling us into life. Right? So how could he not be present? How could he not be speaking when the world is spoken into existence? That's, if you turn with me to Psalm 19, you'll get a very different picture than what the excuses we create in our heads and we're like, God isn't there, he's not speaking, he's silent. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his hand, the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the depths of the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Right? And if you go down to 17, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And so if they're pouring forth speech day after day after day, and their one articulation, their one articulation is this, God is glorious. Right? Then how is it that he is so silent? Well, it's because we, we've... We've like created our own language that we're trying to live by, right? 
Right, the real language of life that God's offering to us is a language of worship. But we don't want to worship. We want to do our own thing. Um, I, I found myself struck when we were at Bro Night on uh, Friday night. Uh, we were out on the Hood Canal. It was a perfectly clear night. I don't know if you looked up in the sky on Friday night. But, um, but I just found myself remembering Psalm 8 where it says, What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you even care? Right? And that's, that's, that is the true perspective of God speaking at all times. He's speaking. He's alive. And where the place we should be at is, what are you, why are you mindful of me? I'm the one that's mute. Right? I'm the one that's foolish. God, why are you mindful of me? The second way God speaks clearly is through his word. He's given it to us here that we can open and access. And that's very important for us to remember. Right? So it's not the word of God that's unclear, but it's us that are unclear. Um, and, th- and then the third thing is, is Jesus. Right? Take really seriously that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Um, an old, old hymn says, What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus has fled? Right? What more could he say? Right? But we treat him as though he were unclear and unsilent. Or unclear and silent. And so the the question I leave you with there is, did the word of the Lord become unclear or did we become unclear on what it meant to trust and obey that word? Right? Okay, the second point is, is that we are all shaped by our story, and we see this in Jonah, all shaped by our story, but all stories can be redeemed. Right, and you see this in the difference between Jonah 1. Jonah 1, 1 through 3, and Jonah 3, 1 through 3, are literally kind of mirror verses of each other. Do you get that? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is what the word of the Lord is. Jonah responds. And then Jonah 3 said, the word of the Lord came, right? Same thing. Word of the Lord came to him, says, go to Nineveh, this great city, 3. But Jonah obeyed. So rather than... Rather than running, he obeys. There's this mirror. So, and what we, I, I was talking with Nate about this yesterday, and I said, think about this. What if, what if in verse, in chapter three, it didn't say a second time, and that was the beginning of the whole book of Jonah? What if that happened? Isn't that interesting? And you just took off the first two chapters, and it said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city. Verse three, Jonah obeyed and went. Right? Because they're the same, same three verses, basically. It's just you have a different ending. Right? One of obedience and one of disobedience. And the, 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 the message that the, the scriptures give us is a very unique message, which isn't comparing this adding up of good deeds and an adding up of bad deeds. But the Christian hope is one where... where God literally takes our running away and our disobedience and can bring us into a story of obedience and hope again. Um, it's a beautiful message. In 1 John 5, 3-5, it says, This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even, of our, even our faith. So as we put our faith in him, and, and, and it says born of God, so literally he's calling us to be 
be born again, right? You've been born. You've made mistakes. You've had a history. You've had a past. But God wants to redeem that story. And he redeems it here in this, this mini narrative of Jonah, right? Chapters 1 and 2, Jonah's pretty unclear here. And then coming into chapter 3, all of a sudden, he's like, okay, I'm going to stop running. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. And it's, it's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so the third thing I want us to look at really quick is that for us, what is the next step? What is the next step? The next step for us is obedience. Um, oftentimes we create like mini steps, like baby steps, and we're like, the next step isn't obedience, the next step is saying yes. I'm going to say yes for a long time, and then, and then I'm going to obey, right? No, the next step is obedience. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get out of it that easily, right? So I'm going to take you to a couple different verses, um, if you want to follow me there. First Samuel 15:22, just to show us the value of obedience. And obedience, again, is living off of an, of an absolute and active trust, right? It's, it's when, we, when we really trust someone. That's, that's why... <laughs> Jesus really cuts through a lot of our waffling when he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Because we're, we like to go, well, if I love you, then I will do this middle step. <laughs> right? But it doesn't work like that. 1 Samuel 15. Um, it's this story of, of King Saul um, waiting for Samuel to come and um, to make a sacrifice, and he gets impatient, and so he, uh, and so, and so he makes this sacrifice anyway. And this, so this is what Samuel says to him in verse twenty-two. Ooh, is that the right verse? Fifteen. Oh, there we go. But Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams." Isn't that amazing? So all along we're like, "Oh God, you just wanted me to, to sacrifice to you. I'll, I won't buy a yacht. I'll, I'll just buy a smaller boat and donate the rest to charity, right?" <laughs> What, what, is, what is God asking us to do? He's like, don't just give me sacrifice. And, and that proves really clear in 1 Corinthians 13 where it's like, you can, give, you can, you can sacrifice your body to the flames. If you, if you don't have love, you're nothing. And this, that's the, kind of the same concept here. He's like, he's like, you can make all these sacrifices you want to, but if you're not obeying, if you're not really giving God what he wants, what does God want? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? So we make so many excuses. Um, Jeremiah 7, 23 through 26. It's a couple books after Psalms. So if you go to Jeremiah 7, 23 through 26, this is what it says, But I gave them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in. In all, my way, in all the ways I command you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. 
From the time your forefathers left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their forefathers. What does he ask? He says, obey me and I'll be your God and you'll be my people. So obey me. Um, to, to give us some, some New Testament verses, uh, Matthew 28, you have the Great Commission where Jesus is leaving, um, leaving his disciples and giving them a clear idea of what he would like them to do when he leaves. And this is what he says. In verse um, 18 through 20, it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is he asking him to do? Obey, obey what I've given you. Right? This, this is Christianity. Right? It's not like, we don't make this stuff up which we've been accused of doing, right? Being a Christian literally means taking the words of Jesus and being serious about them, trusting them, right? Saying, oh God, your words are life, right? And so I will walk in your commands. In Acts 5.3, um, they're brought before chief priests and, and, and they're asked to, to go against what Jesus, the words he had left for them. And this is what, what uh, Peter says. He says, um, it is better to obey God than man. <laughs> right? It's better to obey God. And so this is the serious. So why, why is obedience so important? And this is, this is why obedience is so important. And this is, I think, really what the story of Jonah in, in these verses, because we go on and, and Jonah kind of gets lost again. I mean, and we find the, the story of Christians is a story of a pilgrimage, right? And, and you get all these, these beautiful books that are, are written very accurately about the life of a Christian, like Pilgrim's Progress or Heinz Pin on High Places, verses like this that are, are, are here for us to realize that that we are going through all these things, right, on this pilgrimage, but, but what is that, what is constantly bringing us back and calling us and aligning us again to know that our story is, is lining up with the story of God? It really is obedience. Because oftentimes we think that once we are transformed, then we will obey naturally, right? So, oh, I became a Christian. Why am I not awesome? All the time. Right? And, and we get upset about that, right? We're <laughs> like, I thought when I became a Christian that I'd just be angelic. Um, but for some reason we aren't. And we, we think of it as being like the, the beast being transformed into you know, beauty. All of a sudden he's like this stud happily ever after. And, and, but what it looks like is this. The, the way the Bible talks about it, and we've already mentioned this, is if you love me, you will obey my commands. So once you have found Christ trustworthy... Then you live a life of obedience to his word and you will find your life increasingly transformed into that beautiful image. All right, so you found him trustworthy. You've been adopted into his family, born again. Your story's been redeemed. And now you have opportunity. You've been freed to do what? Not to do whatever you want. Right? You've been freed by Jesus to follow his commands, 
Why? Because his commands are life. Right? It's like growing up. And, and that's why people like higher life coaches now because they realize that it's good to have parents. Right? It's good to have someone who will say, good, bad, don't do this. This is for your good. And that, that is what the commands of Jesus are telling you. Right? What is life and what is goodness? It's drawing you into a life of loving him. And Jesus literally is calling us as we're transformed into his image to be him in the world. And that's what it means to be Christians. Um, so, so Jonah... Jonah and us, I think, we, we both require the same lesson. The same lesson of, of what does it mean to, to come back on track. Um, and it means to come back and, and what God says to take seriously and do. Um, to trust him. In Proverbs 3, and I'll, I'll leave you with this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's one of the most, you know, probably quoted verses on graduation cards but it's so true right um, and I'll, I'll just read it because I, I have a tendency to paraphrase things when I quote them from memory I have Isaiah 3 and, and I encourage you so much to memorize this if you haven't already memorize it and don't paraphrase it to yourself when you when you recite it to yourself from uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Right? He, will, he will align you. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't keep back parts of it. If you keep back parts of it, you will gradually distrust him more and more and more. And when his word comes to you, you'll say, it's too hard, it's unclear, this is ridiculous, why could you ever ask me to do this? So, so don't. I, so, I, so listen to his clear words and, and trust him with all your heart. Right? Because if your heart is trusting anything else, it's, it will lead to great harm in your life. And Jonah experienced that firsthand. So, trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So, I'm going to pray first, and then we'll sing together. And really, you know, as we, I always say this, but singing is that act, really, of just saying, God, your, your ways are greater, your thoughts are higher, you are worthy to be worshipped. And, and so, um, I, I, hope, I hope that the message today kind of has led you to that point of being able to say, God, I, I trust you, um, God. God, with this life, with these doubts I have, I just, I just want to come back to the point of actually giving it to you. God, I don't want to trust the voice of distrust anymore. So, pray with me and we'll worship together. God, I thank you for, for speaking in so many beautiful ways. The world is full of your goodness. The day after day it pours forth speech. God, and I pray that we'll just today, maybe even just wake up to that fact that you're calling us to worship. You're calling us to be a part. You're calling us to, to trust. Put our, pl- our hearts in that place of safety and security of just saying, God, your words I trust. Your words are my delight. 
God, we need your Holy Spirit so desperately for this. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.